welcome to the last show of 2022. And we're seeing the old year out with a healthy dose of fantasy. Just what we all need, really. Since real life this year has been pretty grim all round. Uh, we're back on Sunday the 8th of January, so please do put that in your calendar. So let's look now at this month's leaderboard. And so far, ah, oh, that's incorrect. That's incorrect. That's the first cock up today. Sorry about that. I can tell you though, this month's leader is actually last week's winner. It's called Chasing Naomi by Jazz Lowell. And it's a tightly written tale about what happens when a hologram that looks just like you shows up at your door and offers you a journey across the stars. Well, that got a crushing 75 marks on last week's show. And it's the number, of course, for each submission on this week's show to beat. And he has helped me live and direct from New Zealand. It's Lee Murray. And from just down the road, it's the irrepressible Kaylee Finn. Two great guests, one genius room that beats any so-called AI into a cocked hat. Let the show begin. And here we are. This is the first submission of the day. It's called Redemption. It's from Jason. It is, of course, fantasy. That's what we're doing this week. And this is Jason's blurb. No two things are as satisfying as being immersed in a fantasy world and having a story that builds to a huge payoff. I couldn't agree more, actually, but that's not a blurb. Redemption is for readers who enjoy novels that combine these elements, such as Brent Weeks' The Lightbringer series or Nicholas Eames' The Band series. Okay, so I still don't know what it's about, but I can't tell everyone about you. Um, Jason says, well, I spent my day, I spend my days working in sales for a bank. My nights are consumed creating fantasy stories and myths like those I've enjoyed since childhood. Absolute classic profile, really, for a writer. That's how so many writers do get going. And let's see if we can give you your, your new career an additional push with this wonderful reading from Ali. Redemption by Jason, read by Alison. With the darkwood forest behind him, Korath knelt. He had done so for hours. Forearms rested on his thighs, bow cradled in his fingertips. A minute ago he had run his finger along its fine hickory grain, then silently chastised himself for breaking the stillness. In the silence his thoughts were clear. A juvenile dogwood shrub concealed the better part of him from the south. This vantage point gave an unobscured view of the clearing. Vibrant autumn colours smeared the landscape. Yellow oak, orange aspen, red maple. Soon the branches of the great hardwoods will lay barren, their leaves turned brown and devoured by the earth. From his rear, wind carried the scent of rot, keeping him alert. The tree-line barrier of the darkwood forest never gave pretty colours, never gave anything of beauty. He was so close to the forest's edge, if the wind shifted, a man could almost sneak upon him. Almost. Not that any man would dare venture this far north, not without fear of being branded a madman or a Kagon sympathiser. Neither insult faced Korath. His father had raised him in these woods. 
He reassured himself that his father's two possessions were with him, not that he needed to. They were always with him. The same wind carried his scent as well. He waited for his prey a greater distance than usual. Through his boots the autumn grass declared its softness to his feet. In half a moon frost would harden the grass. In a moon snow would cover these lands. In roughly two moons the southern people of Olo would celebrate Brevis with their loved ones. Earlier that morn a proud buck had declared itself. Drawn by the peak of the rut, the buck had trampled his hooves and grunted. Korath had watched with appreciation, always with his bow in hand, but never with an arrow knocked. With a little luck, that buck would carry its seed for generations. It did not need to die this day. Korath reflected on the young buck, patterns of the hunting season, numbers of the herd compared to last year and counts of predators. Wolves were bountiful this year. Next year would be different. They kept to their distance from him. A mutual understanding between predators. An abundance of predators meant a shortage of prey. The hunting season had been lean. At least the grass was lush. Grass that would soon be buried in snow. Today was his last chance. Of all the things his father had taught him, patience stuck with him most. Rentar was the most patient man he had ever met, and the most absolute. The kind of man that could live in a prison for a millennium without malice at his captor. Never had his father spoken to him a word born of anger. Never did he break his promise. Anger is the mark of an incomplete man, his father told him. Corath had tried to foster his father's even keel. Tried and failed. Festering anger burned like embers in his stomach, waiting to roar like a smith's furnace. Anger at the Kagon who had taken his father. It took an effort to restrain himself for reaching for his sword, a sword too large and terrifying. His father's sword. The faintest of sounds interrupted his thoughts. Had he been anything other than still, he would have missed it. Antlers rubbing on branches, scarring the pine for future seasons. The buck stamped with pride, then snorted. Short legs were a subtle indication of advanced age. Stained eyes, a sagging belly, and overall size corroborated. The largest buck he had seen all season. Maybe the largest he had ever seen. Korath knew how it felt to be taller, larger, and stronger than other men. However, Korath was young. This buck was past its prime. Too old to mate, yet strong enough to run off the next generation. The deer gave little regard to concealing its location. Korath knocked an arrow. In reaction, the buck strained its neck and sniffed the air. Back and forth it turned its head, but it did not notice Korath. Thank you, Ali. You got some nice uh, comments on the genius stream for your reading, as you deserve to. Let's actually uh, look at the genius stream, see their first reactions. And Lex appears to be firing on every single cylinder he's got. Um, and he starts off by saying, ouch, a generic title and continuing last week theme of blurbs that aren't blurbs. 
let's see how this does. Uh, Redemption's a very generic title, says Hannah. Uh, Pamela, more than I want to know about the setting. I thought, I, 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 yeah, I enjoyed that setting, actually, but it's it's not a compelling beginning, but I, I enjoyed the writing. Uh, and, and, and James says that, too. A, a lot of nice forest description. Um, L.A. Thomas says, Redemption suggests thriller to me. No, not fantasy. Vagabond says, nice description, bit too much of it in place of story. What's happening, says James, and R.G. says, like the forest setting, though, red, yellow, orange, bit basic, golden, maybe, amber. Um, Hannah likes the writing flying well, can see the scene. Lovely reading, you see. Ali's got lots of fans out there. And Lex comes back again with, I think, very perceptive comments saying, writing is competent and confident, but way overdone. We can get he is in the woods and winter is coming in half the woods. Hack it down, give us the great world building faster. And I think Palmer says something really interesting too. The writer's a wordsmith, but not yet a storyteller. Hmm. Needs to practice editing. Can I recommend Tiffany Yates Martin and Sol Stein? Well, the former Tiffany, of course, is a regular on this show too. Claire likes the atmosphere of this and the sense of a hunter waiting patiently, but it's a little overdone. Let's have some action sooner. And Vagabond says, still no idea what the story is going to be about. Um, yeah, there's a big blank there for me too. Uh, title, blurb, story not giving me enough. And PC, PC Frontier. Hello, PC Frontier. You, it's, I don't know about that name. It's so bot-like, isn't it? Or maybe it's a sort of 1980s chain of computer stores. I think it's good writing, says PC, and description, but not much happening. All right, let's go straight to the expert. What did you think, Lee? Oh, I was just looking to where to put my numbers. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, I agree entirely with uh, with the the, 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 the group chat. The, the, everyone is really on point today. Uh, obviously not watching the soccer from out the side of their... Oh, that's true. Their I, I totally, that's I totally true, yeah. agree. Redemption feels like a thriller to me as well. I, I'm not quite sure why. That, that just seemed like a a thriller or a or a mystery um again no blurb um i agree with everyone else about the lovely imagery but I, you know i just want to get to the inciting incident and mm. um there isn't one here like you know it, it could be it could be any medieval you know sort of uh, historic historical fiction story this it, you know like the qui-gon could be some other kingdom for sure but i just i want to know Dad's in prison. I love the characterization of the father. I uh, mm. thought that was fantastic. Um, but i just not sure where we're going here, you know. So Dad's in prison and, you know, you're, you're, you're shooting a buck for food. I'm, you know, like, where's what's happening? Are, are you going to save Dad? What's, what's the story yeah. about? So someone said, you know, not a storyteller. Definitely a wordsmith. It's absolutely beautiful writing. But I just yeah. want to know what, where are we going here? And we don't have that in the blurb. So um, I think that's really the, the key thing. Um, just a little bit long to get to the point. A couple of things. I saw a couple of word echoes. Um, so in the first, that, that first paragraph where you want to grab a publisher, an editor, you want to really be careful not to have those word echoes in the first paragraph. And the other one is, a couple of sentence structures that were that just jumped out at me. We've just had this sentence structure, and then we went another one, and in the first paragraph. So that's probably something to look out for too, Jason. Um, but just lovely writing. I just want to know 
where are we going? You know, yeah. <laughs> just give me the story. It's confident writing, isn't it? And um, I can see people really get into this, actually. If they, if they like the world, they want to spend time in the world, and they are spending time in the world there. Um, I'm just going to check with you, actually. Are you, have you got the voting link up? No, I haven't you, got it. Hang on, okay. let me just try well, again. Do you need me to get the link to you? See, I'm... I'm so dumb. I should have actually checked this before we started. I normally do, actually. But yeah, no, it's all right. That was my. I should. I should know by now, right? I should know. Hang on. Here we go. Let me see. Yes, I've got it. Oh, well I've done. Got it. Fantastic. Good. Okay. <laughs> well, you, you put your numbers in, and we'll ask Kaylee what her first. And talk are. to Kaylee. Yeah. <laughs> I would echo everything that's been said. It did win me over the further we got into it. The setup. I like the staccato sentences in the opening paragraphs, but it was exploring sense of place too much so again that whole part could be either moved and then cut down there were two parts for me that really stood out or two sentences you're right Becky yeah I'm sorry I tried to mute it and it didn't it didn't no, I'm, not all. I'm, very, I'm a sick bunny today oh, no. I'm so very sorry I've coughed right in your what? ear didn't I what the don't you worry you're a trooper Oh, thank you. No, I was just, <laughs> uh, there were just kind of two sentences that stood out for me that I felt could be stronger anchors in the story or, or consider them as anchors and then try to build more of an emotional story around them. The first was Karath's father had raised him in the woods. Mm. I really liked that. They told us a lot about his character, that he might be a bit feral, that he's more animalistic. Those are really nice character cues, and I think we could go into that a little bit more. The second was about his father. He could live in a prison for a millennia, and I really loved that phrase because it really kind of told us about the relationship, how he has a lot of respect for his father, how he wants mm. to emulate him, and that relationship, from what I can gather, is kind of the crux of the story. He's out to avenge either the death of his father or the capture of his father. So I think it's just teasing out the story around that a little bit more and maybe make all of that sense of place kind of come come back a bit um and again yeah that inciting incident and and sadly hunt scenes may work on camera in film on screen but they don't quite work when you're reading yourself in so um just have a bit of thought around that that's my review but I should say all the good stuff as well absolutely lovely brilliant writing and super tight which is always a joy so yeah if I accomplished writing, let's just see what the genii continue to say. And IG says, I hope we get some dragons today. Oh, it'd be nice, wouldn't it, actually? <laughs> and then, you know, and this is why they call the genius room, okay? So literally just a microsecond later, L.A. Thomas says, here you go, IG. And they, there we are. There's a dragon and there's some flames as well. That is the best thing. Uh, and Lex carries on his, his kind of highly perceptive winning streak, actually. He says, I like this, but... Give us less uh, colour of the trees and more hunters so great no one can sneak up on them as about to take on Bambi the Barbarian. This has potential. Sieve it out. Sieve it out. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. So we got some numbers from Kylie. Yeah. And have we got any numbers from Lee? <sighs> yes, we got numbers from Lee. That means we've got a total overall number so far of 50. It can go up and down a bit as the genie I make their minds up. Uh, Jason, hopefully you've had some Good comments on that, some feedback. Um, I, I really can see people getting into this. If they want to live in that world, they will do. And you, you describe the world really well. From my point of view as an agent who, who has to sell projects, I don't really know what it's about. And I, I need a handle. I need, you know, what they, they call in marketing terms, a USP, a unique selling proposition. I want to know what it's about. I want to know, you know, if I pick the phone up or have a Zoom with, with the publisher or something, just in a few words, what is it? What is it? What's, what's different about this? What's going to make them excited? And I'm not getting that even now. 
the, uh, you know, I've read the blurb and your first 700 words. So that's, to me, that's, that's a serious shortcoming. But there we go. I hope you're happy with that. And I'm happy to move on to submission number two from Jack. Evolution, colon, another title, colons, uh, The Journey Home. Oh, that's like Star Trek, The Journey Home or something, isn't it? And that's interesting. So that does suggest it's kind of serious, but you're starting off with the, the last book in the series, eh? Or what? I don't know. Let's look at the blue. Just perhaps. Is it upsetting to watch the news these days? Isn't it all about violence, catastrophe, and decaying moral values? Do you sense the world is spinning quickly out of control? If you've lived through a half century or more, you know this is happening, and you wonder what the future, the near future, will bring. Perhaps there's no happy ending. Perhaps we're in free fall and it will only stop when we crash to the bottom. Or perhaps, just maybe, there is a plan in place. You're teasing me there. Let's find out about you, Jack. Um, I first wrote this in 1993, you say. It's been sitting undisturbed for a quarter century. Quarter century. It's maturing nicely. Uh, And now it's far more relevant than it was back then. This story was meant for these times. Okay, and that's not about you at all, but that's all right. Uh, now, you go on. I can't, I can't read all this. I don't know. This is kind of in your bio, right? And there's lots of there's pages, not pages, but there's another page of stuff. I just can't read it. And uh, I've got to say, actually, it's, it's the sort of additional information that, that for me, certainly, and I think for a lot of other people, too, in the business, it would kind of send up red flag. Okay. Especially when you use lots of capitals. When the time requires a profit will be sent and stuff. And you say, we do get submissions from, you know, unusual people sometimes. And it's best on the whole, I think, not to emulate that. So just a warning about that. Don't appear too crazy in the, the stuff you send. But I'm not prejudging anything. What I am saying is we've got a fantastic reading coming up. Right- Evolution, The Journey Home, written by Jack, read by Mel. A vision is given. Lunar base, 2032 AD. When the alert came at 1500 hours, Joshua rolled over, but it wasn't enough to wake him. It came again and pulled him out of what had been a sound, restful sleep. He rolled out of bed and stumbled across his chamber to the outer portal. What is it? he mumbled into the speaker. It's me, a voice answered a voice he knew very well. Joshua opened the portal, and Daniel stepped into the foyer. What is it? I'm in the middle of my sleep cycle. The old one. He wants us. He wants us now. Get dressed quickly. Joshua's head cleared in an instant. Returning to his room, he splashed water on his face and jumped into uniform. In minutes, the two men were out the door and hurrying down the passage. What does he want? Joshua asked. I'm not sure of the details, Daniel answered, but it's important. The attendant on duty told me he woke suddenly, somewhat agitated, moving his arms and legs. It was more motion than the attendant had ever witnessed. It frightened him, and then, well, he won't believe this. The old one actually lipped words without the synthesizer. The attendant never saw that happen before. What did he say, Joshua asked. Daniel looked at Joshua. He said, bring them to me. That's all? Joshua interrupted. 
You know the rest, Daniel answered. He said, bring them to me. It's time. They hurried along through the passageways. Each new passage was larger than the one before, and eventually they entered the main boulevard. There they stepped onto an inbound pathway that carried them briskly toward the commons. A few people milled about, even at this hour of the sleep cycle. Some recognized them and saluted as they passed. They hurried through the commons and into the nearly deserted station where they boarded a bullet and waited. The bullet was scheduled to depart in four minutes, and they sat passing the time in silence. It was so quiet they could hear the pressure valves activating and felt the smooth acceleration as they sped quickly to the next station. At the end of the line, they walked hastily along, and still the cold, monolithic starkness of the city persisted. It was built for function, not beauty. But as they approached the chambers, the starkness relented. No matter how many times I come here, Daniel said softly, I never get used to this place. It always gives me a chill. It does take some getting used to, Joshua answered. Watchmen standing along the approach to the great gates nodded as they went by. In a hundred meters, they passed from one millennium to another. The coldness of their world was swallowed up by the warmth of another long-lost and faraway place. They stood outside for just a moment. Then the heavy, oaken doors opened, squeaking and groaning as they swung wide. Though Joshua had been summoned to the chambers on numerous occasions, there was always that effect that ran a chill up his spine. Maybe it was the smell of the wood or the sound of the running water. His chambers were the only place that an earth experience existed. Only here were earth things allowed. Everything else, everywhere, was made from materials found on the moon. The cold gray composite fabricated from moon dust. It could be colored in various shades, but everything from the room you lived in to the chair you sat on was the same. Only here would he allow the use of materials from the earth. In the early days of habitation, he'd forbidden anything to be brought from the planet. But as he aged, he relented. As he grew feeble and lost mobility, the elders insisted that he allow himself at least the pleasure of seeing and sensing the old things. Leonardo, they argued, it's only right that you should have some privilege. You are the architect of our civilization. We would be pleased to afford you some honor and comfort. Right, and you can tell I'm, I'm a very sick puppy today because I didn't credit Mel. And Mel is, is one of our preeminent uh, readers. And Mel, I, what I like to say is, is mellifluous, mellifluous Mel. That's what I call you. So thank you very much, Mel. And thank you for all the great readings you've done this year. Um, let's look at the genii. They have a lot to say about this. L.A. Thomas kicks off by saying, blurb has a non-fiction feel to it. Too vague. It does. You sort of I'm crossing the boundaries a bit there. Uh, not a blurb that would make me pick up this book, says Vagabond. Um, Hannah says, blurb too vague, need more idea of a story. Blurb questions are hard to pull off, says RG. I only like the closing line of this. And James says, Pete, overloaded. How, do you, how could you tell? I am overloaded. Um, not a blurb, but a little bit of intrigue, says Claire. I have no idea what the story's about, though. And Vagabond says, don't ever do a drop cap. And that is true. I have to say, I'm, I had to mess around with that to look at half, make it look half decent. And it didn't, actually. Um, so I think I think that's a very good advice, unless you maybe you're going to be sending a PDF where you can guarantee that the formatting is is going, you know, that you send is going to be the stuff that people read. 
but in in a word document it's 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 just it it often goes wrong so i'm all in favor of really simple formatting actually some you know things can't go too far wrong if you just do it simply um starting with waking up is considered a cliche says la um and pamela echoes that um, barbara is commenting on the formatting omniscient point of view says la they when describing what they could feel good reading mel says barbara um hannah opening opening is partly intriguing but mostly confusing i want more sense of setting and character mel our reader says this was well written and a smooth read uh for you to read of course strong start i was pers- personally more pleasantly surprised than i expected to be actually given the um the nature of the the blurb and so on but we can talk more about that in a minute john bertel says fine to give us a world building before uh, going on with a hook i like it lex says writing is capable giving descriptions and details but i have absolutely no idea what is happening and vagabond said was better than i expected from that blurb and that opening to be fair and i agree with that let's see how kaylee reacted what did that do for you kaylee I would agree. It was I was pleasantly surprised. Um, what I would say about the blurb, aside from the fact it, it's it's not really telling us anything and it's very vague, I think we have to be careful when we kind of present this issue of decaying morals and need to move humanity forward in a positive way yeah. because that yeah. actually has been done a hundred million times before. Yeah. So what we need to understand when you rewrite your blurb is why this is distinctive and interesting in a t- story, hopefully, that hasn't been told before. So just a note on thinking about that. Um, in terms of getting going, I actually really love the tone of this, the kind mm. of fairly colloquial or slightly mm. relaxed language, really helped by um, the narrator as well, I will say. But I really like that and there were some points i really liked i i got the sense of place it's it's a lunar module they've left earth there's this thing about kind of repurposing and recycling items the privilege of being able to take things that are quote old i get all of that we understand that this character is kind of the privileged architect of this new world so I've kind of followed the plot along and there's aspects that I really like, but there's just something that is lacking and that's going to be an unhelpful comment because I don't quite know how to fix it, but there's just something that I I, I can't quite get on board with. You know, he's been woken up by by his sleep cycle. He's been taken to this room. He's been summoned. But I guess it's like, so what? So what is interesting about that? And we need to know a bit sooner. But I would definitely read on. And if, you know, I, I like... The, the premise of where I think it's going. Uh, another note, last one from me. I don't like the title. Again, it feels very generic. Yeah. It feels like something I've it heard does. before. So there must be something more unique in this story that you can draw out. And I did quite like a vision is given, which is probably stronger than your than the title as a, as a chap's mm. name. But mm. yeah, just have a think about that. Nice. Fantastic, Kylie. So uh, yeah, we've got very, very small. Uh, type here PC Frontier who I, th- I I accept is not a bot right? I apologise I don't know if you can sue anyone for accusing them of being a bot can you is that libel it's probably it's probably the opposite of libel isn't it it's actually a compliment these days you bot you um, but anyway you're definitely a bot I apologise for that it's just the name it's just my own uh, sick diseased uh, mind it says I'm assuming the writing is about Earth and Moon I think it is too 2032 is too early um, a date for all this lunar development yeah it certainly is some good writing, but where is the story going? It would be nice to know, and I agree with that. What did you think, Lee? Yes, 
Yes, I agree with everybody. <laughs> I think uh, oh, we just nice. don't quite know where this story out. is going. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, I don't usually, do I? I don't know. Um, I, I was, the blurb is intriguing, but again, it didn't feel, it, I, I can't remember it. Um, I, you know, I don't know what the story is about. It seemed like a little no. bit of a rant, the blurb, yeah, as opposed to, you know, we need to do better. Um, so I think that needs addressing, Jack. Um, I agree a little bit with um, Kaylee about about the title. I mean, definitely uh, uh, Pete said straight away, you know, this sounds like Star Trek. And he's right, right? because we do, get straight, we do get that sense of it's some kind of sci-fi fantasy of some sort. So... Mm. Yes, it's a, but it's too generic. It, we can't we can't pick this story from any other story. So, um, yeah. I, I like this Kaylee's suggestion of the you know that subtitle being possibly something to develop. So, yeah. Um, so that's that. Um, I think the same things that everyone else has said in the chat. The dialogue is heavy with too many dialogue tags, and you know saying things that. You don't say things that the, that the person you're speaking to already knows. You know, I'm in the middle of my sleep cycle. Well, yes, you yeah. know, it's the middle of the sleep cycle. And it's. And I think it was mentioned twice. So, you know, it's the middle of the night. You know, you're woken up. There's a really sad, unfortunate pun in the first sentence, which threw me right out of the story. Um, something like sound of restful, sound restful sleep, but you're being woken by an alarm. And I thought, oh, you know, my brain went straight to the pun. So uh, those are little teeny things to think about. But when you are trying to hook someone from the very beginning with your yeah. story, you really need to be very conscious of those things. Um, I did like, I felt a little bit like um, the Wizard of Oz, you know, with the, the old one, you know, who's taught, you know, it sort of feels feels a little bit like that, you know, um, that old man and the, you know, the, the talking, talking mm. and, and, and so I just, yeah, I'm not, I think the real issue is that all the tension is lost. So, so we, mm. this, this character is woken up, um, om, yeah, omniscient is another problem, but I think that the real issue is that we just don't, there's no tension. We get up and it's urgent in the middle of the night and then yeah. we slow, you know, we go through yeah. the world building, world building, yeah. world building until we get there. This is urgent, you know, yeah. and I always think silence yeah. is, si we wait in silence. Nothing is happening in a silence like that. Yeah. You yeah. know, we've lost the tension, you know, yeah, you are totally. wonder what he's wanted, you know, it's just, and I think that's the problem. We, mm. we don't, we don't care by the time we get there, what he's going to say. It's not that yeah. urgent. It's like, mm -hmm. yeah. I think that's, that's that's where I see the issue. Uh, so. uh, terrific, actually. Everyone is in such good form today, apart from me. Um, very good, Lee. Uh, punch your numbers in. Let's... Um, let's, let's that go? See. Yeah, thank you very much. Um, let's look at the... Let's actually let's see Lee's numbers there. Have they come through? They have come through! This is good. So we've got an overall number there. We've got 48 there for you, Jack. I think, for me, the... Um, the presentation possibly would have actually just ruled it out of court for a lot of people. And I'm not talking about the drop count W, just I'm talking about all the rest of this. In the beginning, man was at peace with himself in the world. He dwelt in the garden in harmony with his maker and all the rest of that stuff. And that's just not relevant here. People are going to take exception to that for all kinds of reasons, not the least of which. I haven't read any of that. I'm not going to do that. Not the least of which, you're talking about men, and that does leave out a lot of people, actually, doesn't it? 
So it just feels like someone who's, who's ranting about the Old Testament, actually. And that's not going to go down with most agents or most publishers, I would aver. Um, but once we actually got into the writing, um, it, started to, it started to get a lot better. So you really need to focus on the way you present this to people. Otherwise, I think you're going to get a lot of doors slammed when perhaps they shouldn't be. So you've got the numbers there. Um, what I want to do is to... I want to talk. I want to talk to Lee... Now, Lee, what happens at this time of year is that people, possibly, people even watching us live right now on YouTube, have not done their Christmas shopping. Isn't that outrageous? They've got a few days left to buy a present for someone. And we have just the thing for you. Book.litopia.com You point that, you point your browser to that link right now. This is what you're going to get. Unquiet spirits. Now, I don't know, Lee, is, that, is it also, because, you know, instant shopping, is it also available as an e-book? Um, yes, it will be, but it isn't out be. yet. So this oh, one doesn't come out yeah. until oh, February oh, well. the 14th. Yeah. Well, book, book token, um, book token in that case. Book token. Tell us about it. <laughs> Sorry Unquiet. about that, guys. Um, <laughs> Yes, this is a collection of essays by Asian women in horror looking at uh, various uh, ghosts and monsters and how they impinge on women's lives. So Mm. um, it's a tearjerker. You're going to need a a box of tissues with this one. So super, super proud of this. Um, big jump into nonfiction, um, and these are all these are all essays, which is a kind of new form of memoir essay where the writers wow. have drawn from academic sources and um, poetry and fiction and all sorts of different places to to write their kind of personal personal accounts and how these particular monsters fit into their actual real lives. And it is oh. is fascinating. I've learned so much. So a messay. Um, I've never heard of a messay. You've just added to my, my vocabulary yeah, today. New. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, something to investigate. Um, it's a portmanteau yeah, word, isn't it? It's a combination of memoir and essay. Is that right? Yeah, 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 I believe so. But it just and also that notion of sort of a bit more meandering and sort of so it, it is academic, but it isn't academic if you know what I mean. So yes. these are so readable. They're sort of a, a kind of coffee table volume, um, and the the interior is absolutely stunning. So I, I just can't wait for people to read this. I just the reviews that are coming through have been terrific so yes it's giving me frizzins i'm very excited about it you've got lots of lovely comments on the genius room about the cover actually i think the cover itself is is absolutely gorgeous it is yes i'm so sorry people can't get it for christmas but you can get it by typing book you can get it you just can't get it for christmas you can get it yeah we can get it now there we go book.latopia.com make a friend happy there we go I want to go on to submission number three right now, and it is uh, from Peter. It's called Desecration Day. Desecration Day. Do you like that? I want to know. If you're on YouTube right now and you've got thoughts, comments on what's going on, let us know in the chat. We'll, we'll flash your comments on screen, dissect them, maybe agree with them, maybe not, but, you know, it's participative democracy, guys! This is this is democracy in action, or something like that. It's fantasy, and this is Peter's blurb. Two brothers on a quest for the Holy Grail discover a mysterious cavern following an underground rockfall. They unwittingly set off a chain of events that leads to direct conflict between the underworld and the living world. 
threatening to cause death and destruction. As Desecration Day approaches, will a fearless cave rescue team save mankind? Or will the occupants of hell itself wreak havoc on the human race in a fast-paced adventure set on the edge of two worlds? One person holds the key. Peter Hanks. You live about 30 miles from London. In a town that used to be famous for making biscuits. I'm thinking hard. I th- I've almost got that, the name of the place. I'm, what, what used to be famous for making biscuits? It's on the tip of my tongue. He was born in North London, grew up in South London. Transgressive. From the age of seven, where he was lucky enough to attend the local grammar school and have the three, three R's drummed into him by a teacher known as the Welsh Wizard. Not for his magical understanding of the literature he taught, but the speed with which he could bash you with a slipper if you stepped out of line. Yeah, I heard people like that too. Sadists. Nothing good about that. Sadists. Um, The constant threat of corporal punishment formed the bedrock of Peter's love for writing. Did it? How strange. I used to use books, if anything, for stuffing down my pants so they wouldn't hurt me too much. Um and inspired poems and songs that occasionally won him a school prize or a national competition. I'm still trying to get my head around that. Anyway, unpublished as a novelist and forever the optimist, good for you, Peter knows that this is the one, and this certainly is the reading for you today from Barbara. Desecration Day by Peter Hanks, read by Barbara. What are they doing here? he hissed. There was anger in the question, but fear in his voice. He reached down for his weapon, but the older one squeezed his forearm in a clear message of restraint. The pair of them backed silently into the crevice and melted into the rock. All around the palace, flashlights bounced in a confusion of discovery. Disjointed images of walls, floors and ceilings flickered like an old silent movie as the intruders attempted to take stock of the surroundings. For a moment, the palace returned to silence before one of them tested the acoustics with an obligatory howl. The noise echoed like a pack of wolves in the wilderness. Their excitement was impossible to conceal after nearly five hours of crawling, squeezing and sliding through an improbable ingress of tunnels, descents, drops and ancient riverbeds. This palace was amazing, undiscovered, only accessible after the recent floods and resultant rockfalls had revealed a small avon at the end of an established system. The two cavers had enlarged the entry hole after a short dig, leading to a series of higher level passages, then steep descents. This was their reward, a magnificent cavern stretching before and above them for nearly 40 metres, almost beyond the reach of their torches. The rock was limestone, probably calcrete, fossil soil rather than seabed. A small spring trickled down the wall to the left and snaked across the floor. It gurgled into the darkness past a gnarled, fossilised tree root, as if to confirm their observation. Both men inquisitively followed its path, eager to discover where the flow of water might lead them. A shallow rock pool was nature's only pause on the free-flowing spring which had found the way to seep through the limestone rock in its quest to the centre of the earth. The intruders figured the calcrete was several metres thick and no doubt contributing to the chill in the cavern. This was the end of the line. They decided to get some rest before retracing and recording their path through the newly discovered system. As they propped up their gear against the tree root, a trick of the light seemed to make the cavern wall move just a few metres away, 
Both men noticed the illusion and exchanged a glance. The taller one let out a nervous laugh. Nothing had been here for millions of years. The route provided a couple of handy perches, a welcome dry spot for them to retrieve a sandwich from the crush-proof containers. They recharged their batteries in silence, enjoying the moment whilst mentally preparing themselves for the journey back. It was the younger, shorter man who noticed it first. He stopped chewing and raised his head, flicking his eyes from side to side and mustering all the sensory attention in the direction of his ears. The other one picked up on his alertness and listened intently. Their suspicion was confirmed with a meeting of the eyes. The gurgling had stopped. The water was still running down the wall, but the small stream was now silent. The taller man shone his torch towards the pool, and they both instinctively checked underfoot. Definitely mushier than before. The stream was swelling, and the cavern was starting to fill with water. They threw their kit hurriedly into their backpacks. It was time to leave. Although there was no cause for alarm, they knew they had to move fast. There was a drop of about two metres from the cavern entrance, which led through a short crawl and up the other side again, like an elongated U-bend in the plumbing. It opened into a recess in a sheer wall of rock, resembling a small archway, which was where they had made their way in. If the water level was rising, this section might already be flooded and they would need to negotiate past it to access the network of passages above. The taller man took the lead and they moved quickly towards the entrance of the cavern and the underground labyrinth beyond. The torches created a kaleidoscope of shadows flitting along the walls, which camouflaged a streak of jet black moving swiftly above them across the ceiling. Thank you, Barbara. Another good reading from you. Good? Great. Thank you. Now, Genie, uh, uh, there's some, so many good comments here. I can't, I can't get them all in, but I've got to do my best. Okay. Johnny says, uh, Messi has just scored an extra time. And I think that's possibly the plural of Messi, which is um, a new word for me that uh, Leah's just taught me. Um, and Barbara says, for God's sake, John, how about paying attention to the pop-ups? Yes. Um, one person says, Ali Thomas. Uh, oh, uh, uh, Pamela J says, proper blurb. Proper blurb. Thank you. First one we had. Uh, Ali Thomas, one person. Uh, so not the two brothers. Like says, blurb has me in twists. Great ideas. An intriguing premise, but I'm confused about setting. Rework that from good to great. Let's go. <laughs> At least so positive. Time the blow a little, says James. Vagabond, got to make sure I have a desecration day every month. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? And for Ronnie, it's actually cauliflower day today, not desecration day. Holy Grail, uh, says Hannah, author sign M. Hanks. Mm, putting two and together there. Uh, do I smell a pen name? And Mel says, oh my God, I just remembered I'm French. Now that is so surreal, so apropos of nothing. It, has, it kills me. I just think that's the funniest comment we've had today. Oh my God, I just remembered I'm French. Uh, needs formatting, says LA. RG, don't tell us the story in his voice, show us. Barbara, our narrator, says, author doesn't intro the characters well. We need to know who they are to engage. No emotions, nothing to care about. Who and what matters and why? And LA echoes that, says, who are they? I'm a bit lost. I feel like I've been dumped in the middle of the scene. Uh, Pamela says, competent beginning. Writing shows some promise. Uh, with some more practiced editing, would enjoy reading. Uh, a lot of telling. Uh, James says, need to know who they are first. And Claire says, opening's confusing. Palace? Underground? Who? Where? Um, and Johnny says, feels like a prologue. Sorry, LA says that. Mm. 
um, and RG. If they aren't important characters, don't start the story with them. If they aren't important, we need names and other details so we can write them. PC says, PC Frontier says, I like the title a lot. I think people do actually look at the numbers coming in. I think the genius really like that title. Some good descriptions suggest the writer gives us names of the two men. Yeah. Uh, when is the book set? 2022. I would suggest something happens soon or something is filmed soon. Oh, we'd like that, wouldn't we? What do you think, Lee? I think the genius room is genius, really. They hmm. really have hit the nail on the head. Um, I like the blur, but least the stakes were there this time. When you know it's forces of evil and, you know, good and evil, you know, yeah. the underworld versus the living world, we, we got that. So that was, yeah. you know, that's pure fantasy. Um, and so we know where we are with that. I just... Again, like everyone else said, who are these two brothers? You know, and one person is going to save. you know, has the key. So, yeah, I don't know who, who we're following. So, mm. that's the blurb. Um, I'm still not quite sure, quite sure whose story this is. So, that's mm. part of the issue. Um, we need to care, as I think someone in the, someone in the chat room said. Um, I personally don't want to read anything that's omniscient anymore. Yeah, it just yeah, it just yeah. it screams 1950s to me. Yeah. Um, we're beyond that now. We're, readers want to be in the heads of those characters and actually living the life, you know, and in that in that world entirely. And we don't want this distance. And we don't want. We're not. I'm. I don't know. I just. If it, if it's omniscient, I'm just going to put it down. I'm just going to say to yeah. to say to the writer, could you please just go back and put this in someone's head? Make this about somebody. And I think that's part of the problem. That's why we don't get it in the blurb because there we don't know who these people yeah. are. I'm sorry, tall and short don't really don't really cut it for me i don't i don't care if they're tall or they're short um and then at the beginning of this this um peter i'm sorry but the i was really confused are they in a palace uh is that a is that a is that a spiel, you know a spelunking mm. kind of word a caving word that you're in a cathedral just use the words that mm. are going to bring us in because i it's fantasy so i thought oh we're underneath a palace, uh, you know, like I just got a little bit confused with the mm. variations of imagery we've got, you know, acoustics and silent movies and 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 then all of the wonderful ca um, caving, uh, mm. you know, technical language, mm. which really said, oh, this could be interesting. I think so. You want a bit of that to bring yeah. people in, but it just, I just, it was a bit of a mishmash, so I was a little bit confused. Yeah. He ca they call themselves intruders. Would they call themselves intruders? You know, I, I just, they're, they're explorers, they're adventurers. Yeah. Would they call themselves intruders? I don't, yeah. I don't know. And then we have the water is rising. No cause for alarm. I know. I'm sorry. This, I know. It's like, yeah. There's, there's alarm. Be alarmed. Yes, you know, totally, you could yeah. die here, people. Yeah. You know, bring yeah. attention. Bring yeah. attention. All that opportunity, but no <laughs> cause for alarm. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I just, yeah, I just, I think there's, just a few things to deal with there, Peter. I, I think you might have something here. Really exciting. Mm. But I don't, you know, and I'm, I don't really have a problem with the prologue. I've done this before, and I think it's quite a common thing in fantasy where you, you have some people lost or some people 
missing or something and then the team goes in to look for them and to uncover the mystery and I don't think there's any problem with that but we need to care enough to go in and find them and so these people these men clearly are lost with the river are they dead we you could ramp that tension up Mm. and then we will care enough to go in and find out what happened yeah um and at this point we we don't yet so there's this there's potential here. It's just not quite there yet. Yeah, gold dust, Lee, Sorry. gold dust. Um, what did you think, Kylie? Have you ever uh, been uh, a speleologist, a spelunker? Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. no. Caving, caving. <laughs> caving. Going, going no. underground. Not no. not for me, not for no. me. Um, not for me, really. I don't no. mind being on a mountain, but not. Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know how I can build on what's been said but i will give it a go i think my it's such a dense narrative i think that was my biggest issue i felt like i was trying to like unpick all of these wordings to get to the true meaning of what was being said and and the real heart of the story so i would really encourage some tight strict editing and sometimes saying less says more um so that's my first point the second was i I totally agree there's some really interesting things here i like the idea of splunking is it called splunking yes there we go i think that's quite unique and i think that's that's quite a new a new way of approaching fantasy yeah a couple of things. I wasn't sure when this is meant to be in in terms of time. What 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 type day are we living in? Is it modern? Is it future? Is it dystopian? I, I wasn't quite sure, and I would like to know that because if this is contemporary fantasy reflecting a cu- cu- present moment, or or is it a future moment? I think that will give us a lot to go on. It would. I would feel more interested and understand the story a little bit more. So apologies if I missed that. I just feel like I need to understand a sense of time. And I say that because things like searching for the Holy Grail, underworlds, the living worlds, they're all very common things. We've had stories around all of those things before, and that's not a problem, but we have to understand again what's different. What is your Mm. unique take on that? What's the story? And as it stands, I'm not really getting it. Um, Again, in terms of the tension, the best part I liked was when they were eating their sandwiches together. They noticed something was happening and they were about to act. But then that was like put into two sentences and it was like, oh, okay, now we're back to all of this really heavily worded description about the palace Mm. and the place. So you really need to flip that on its head and remember it's kind of the people that make the story. Yeah, but uh, I I couldn't agree more with with that. Let's just talk for a moment. uh, uh, panelists about this <clears throat> this setup that Peter has created here, which I'm really keen on. I had to restrain myself mm. from not giving more marks actually, because all I can do is, is mark what I'm, what you know, the words in front of me. But I love I love this 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 start because I'm just thinking about this. All right, so you know you're in the cave, you're kind of a bit of a pro, you know what you're doing, but things are not going that well, and then you suddenly realise the water is rising. The water is rising, okay. So the first thing you don't do, uh, as Lee's just pointed out, Peter, is you, you don't say, there's no cause for alarm. Actually, because, yeah, we do, we want that alarm. That's that's the whole point. That's drama. That's things going wrong. You know, you've got to ratchet up the tension here. But I'm just thinking to myself, um, I'm not aware of too many books that start like that. And I think it's a great place to start. And maybe it's just me, all right? Maybe I just have these these weird fantasy dreams about, you know, getting stuck in caves and stuff like that. They say that's a sort of a rebirthing thing, actually, possibly. I, think, I was a caesarean, you know, it's possibly something that's something to do with, with getting out of a, a small place. But um, 
I just think I think that's a, that's a great place to start. And also, and I want you to, to tell me your thoughts on this, okay? Also, I think, I think this is where books can do it better than films. There's some things films can do a lot better. But, you know, there have been a few films about, about caving and people getting stuck and stuff mm. like that. But actually, when it's happening up there, inside your head, not, you know, um, a few metres away on, on a film, when it's actually happening up, up there, it kind of gets straight through to you, doesn't it? It kind of presses all the right emotional buttons. Or is it just, just my word psychology, Lee? Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with you. I love the concept. In fact, I put together an anthology a few years ago, um, which um, made the Bram Stoker finals. It was called Hell Hole, an anthology of subterranean terror. And um, yeah, the, all the tension is oh, there. Wow. Everyone's, it's, wow. it's one of those big fear things, isn't it? Being stuck underground. And yeah. I think, isn't that why, I mean, you know, the channel tunnel, all of those kinds of things, that whole notion of being stuck yes. underground is really scary and so you yeah, know is. i love that concept and um yeah so i think you're right that that and it's not actually new i think it's a bit more common in the thriller horror kind of genre peter um than fantasy and i think perhaps that's why it's a surprise you know yeah, we've got yeah. i think michael Crichton did it once didn't he with one of his fantasy oh did he, he oh, I, bet, I bet he did and, yes he's a wily um, old writer but, was. um yeah, but I do think that for fantasy, it's a bit more of a surprise. Yes, you know, well, um, yeah, I think so too. Um, uh, yeah, certainly thriller and uh, Mike um, uh, Greg Beck, an Australian uh, thriller writer, has done this as well. You know that oh. underground thing, but it is it is fun. It is Powerful. fun, and it's just I think a little mm. different for for fantasy, and I think that's what's the intrigue. Yeah, here. totally right. Um, and yeah. LA Thomas says I do not need to be thinking about Pete's mum's cave. Okay, enough of that indeed. <laughs> Thank you very much, LA, for that comment. Heartfelt, I'm sure. <laughs> this is blurb number four. <laughs> dear, oh dear. Uh, where are we going to go next? I don't know. It's dark fantasy. Wow. It's from Francois Duplessis. And there's a QR code there too. So there's a link. You can scan that and go to it. It's called Darkened Light. And this is a blurb. Darkened Light is the story of a, a former servant of darkness. It goes by the name of X. Is it Elon Musk by any chance? After darkness abandons him, he finds a way to fit in making friends with a reaper slash white witch. A demigod, the son of Luc Lucifer. Okay. As well as a Bacanico princess in order to restore balance, which darkness destroys. I'm a bit lost already, but I'm sure all will be clear very soon about you. I'm an aspiring 20-year-old writer and poet from South Africa with a small motivational, inspirational blog. That's the, the link if you want some um, inter intervention. <laughs> intervention. Maybe I need that. If you want some uh, motivation and inspiration, you go to uh, Francois's blog. Meanwhile, I've been looking forward to this all day. I've got a wonderful reading from Martin. Darkened Light by Francois, read by Martin. It was with power that I became who I am, this monster born from rage and loneliness. I destroyed bonds with a single sentence. Hate brought me into this world and I don't know how I could leave. I am seen as the Antichrist, the destroyer of light and life. I am an eternal darkness, brewed in sin and destruction. The voices of the lost and abandoned whisper in the wind. They cry for peace 
hope, love and life. Their cries fall upon deaf ears, carried by blind ambition. It is quite beautiful though. The world ends, but the weak fight to be strong to survive. It's tragic that the strong will perish first. The world pities the weak, giving them safe passage from death. The world preys on the strong, tearing them apart limb by limb. They scream, beg, plead, frown and stare. The silence is the end for them, but it keeps the weak safe. Music is humanity's downfall. They were gifted with darkness, fear, hate, pain and loss. But they brought light into the picture. The light grew and grew, giving laughter, hope, dreams, courage and confidence. They thought that the darkness was defeated, but it grew quietly. It grew slowly, slow enough for the light not to notice. The darkness finally and unknowingly released chaos into the world. A physical manifestation. It burned, but it was the arrival of a beautiful ending. People say that light always beats dark. Good defeats evil. Darkness won. The light was nothing more than a lump of broken bones and rotting flesh. She was beautiful, but only on the outside. She had fiery red hair, curly and in a ponytail. Her eyes were green and everything she wore reflected nature. Her personality was rotten, crude even, and only a handful loved this. Darkness was a male. He had long black hair. His eyes were oak and everything he wore showed his appreciation for death and decay. I wish I could say that they resolved their differences, but darkness killed light in the most graphic manner. He grabbed her by the throat and slammed her to the ground. He broke three ribs, dislocated her right wrist and left shoulder. Her face was beaten to a bloody pulp, barely recognisable. He grabbed a knife out of his back pocket and slashed at her body. He punctured her lung, cut her main artery in the right leg and gutted her like a fish. Then he threw her to the trash, feeling pleased at his success. I watched him do it. I enjoyed watching darkness suck the life out of light, the blood glowing red in the purple sunset. Her eyes faded to a misty grey like a storm behind glass. I thought it was all over, but then Lilith showed up. Lady Lust herself, her dress moved like a bloody slime, red and flowing. I was entranced. I started to fall, not literally like a hole, but emotionally and mentally. I was falling in love with her, her crimson eyes, her pale skin, her midnight blue hair. I was an idiot. She didn't notice me. She was after darkness. She liked him, but I was born in this. I was invisible to her. She loved darkness. Why? He's a liar, a thief, a con artist. I walked up to darkness, my rage creating a black and red aura around me, a physical aura which darkness and Lilith could clearly see. I looked at them, at darkness. I sighed. Lady Lust. She looked at me. And who might you be, little one? Darkness smiled. A creation of mine, born from rage and loneliness. I made him in sin and destruction. He's a most worthy soldier. A soldier? I was put here before him. Lilith smiled and moved to me. 
How intriguing. He seems very human. But this aura is something else. It burns slightly, as if directed at me. What is his name? Darkness sighed. He doesn't have one. I have found no need to give him one. He's a potential antichrist. Nothing more. My aura grew, as did my rage. My eyes flared up, red filling them. Lilith smiled. I think you upset him, darkness. Don't enough darkness for you, has it? I bet. Thank you, Martin. Thank you very much. Love listening to you. Could listen to you reading the telephone directory, of course, but there isn't a telephone <laughs> directory anymore. Hasn't been for some decades now. Uh, let's see what the genii are saying in their ultimate wisdom. Uh, formatting. Uh, a lot of people said uh, don't like formatting. RJ, for example, awful formatting. Rambling, says Claire. Give me some showing several is telling, please, says L.A. Thomas. And Hannah. Opening paragraph is too tall. Show me. Yeah, that's so true. You can't understand the difference there. Um, Francois, but in showing and telling, if you don't know that basic difference, then you, you, you I, I wouldn't even start writing, just learn that. Um, Martin makes this so creepy, says Pamela Joe. Uh, background is the screams of pain from my Argentinian. So that is the second comment today that sends me reeling off into hyperspace. So the first one is, My God, I've just realized I'm French, and the <laughs> second one is, uh, Pamela Joe has admitted to having an Argentinian. <laughs> Where is your Argentinian and why is it screaming in pain, please? Tell me, tell me. Uh, this could be a poetic ly lyrical story, says Vagabond, mm. but it's too miserable and plodding. This is Fantasy Week, says RG. Team sports have no place. Um, and I'm tired of that cliche, says Pamela. I can't keep my concentration on this, says Vagabond. There's too much repeat of dark and darkness. Um, Martin said in grey atmosphere, he does, he does with his readings. Painful on the eyes to read. It is, you've got to pay more attention to the formatting of Francois. Um, a story isn't enjoyable to read and doesn't flow well. Needs a rewrite, says RG. Claire says it feels a little indulgent. Mm, more than a little. Not thinking about the reader. And uh, who else shall we pick on? Oh, there's so many good things. You know, if you're, if you're watching this now, Francois, just, just pause it and... Oh, football, is it? I see. see that's, I was wondering. Okay. Uh, that makes more sense now, Argentinian. I thought that... Never mind. Let's not, let's not go there. Um, it's World Cup talk. Fine. You see, this is the problem. You're, you're competing in the World Cup, Francois. So you've got to hold our attention. And I think as far as some of the genie are concerned, you haven't quite done that, Lee. Yeah. Um, you know, look, I, th I think, Francois, you obviously really love words. And it's, you, you sound a little bit of a poet um, because... Because I'm 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 seeing this the ideas are there but the 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 execution's not yet, um, and that doesn't mean don't keep trying. I think, but mm. you, this is just this is like a you're writing yourself into something here. Yeah. You know, um, a soliloquy is a, a, sorry they just turned me off completely. Um, a soliloquy like this to start a story, uh, unless. You're in the action, and you could have some action here. I mean, you could have written a scene as if you were in some sorted basement and these two creatures from the underworld, you know, are, are having some kind of altercation and you're there watching and then the, the little character turns up. It could be sort of urban paranormal. 
but you haven't quite mastered that. Um, so I think there's some work to be done just in how to write. I, I feel yeah. at the moment it's a little bit cliche. This could have been a poem, for example, that, that whole beginning mm. little sort of setup could have been a poem and then we could have gone into the scene with Lilith coming in, falling in love on the one instant. Mm, maybe, I don't know. I just It's just not quite plausible. So I think what we're talking about here is, yay, you like writing and you're excited mm. about writing something in the fantasy field, but you need to get some skills under your belt first um, yes. and this is this is not this is not quite there so yes. um, but the notion of yin and yang you know darkness and light I mean that's very generic fantasy and everyone loves that so you know lean into that see where you go um, I just don't I just think this is a first draft and we're writing our way into something that could be exciting but we really don't know yet so yeah. Um, yeah. And someone said in the chat, maybe violence against women is not the way to start yes. a novel. And I yes. think that's a really good statement, you know, um, you know, and, was, and yeah. also I didn't even, I didn't really even believe it. He guts her no. and then he throws her in the trash. I like want to see fish. that. Is that a like hard a thing to do? Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. I want to yeah. like, is he, is he covered in blood? If you're going to go graphic, then be graphic. Be, be, tell us the story as it is, you know, show yeah. not tell. So I think it's more about this is this is a beginner writer, um, and you and it's and go for it. You know, fantasy yeah. is a great field. That there's lots. Of, everyone loves it, um, but I think some work to, to to come up to speed with those writing techniques. So maybe some courses and 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 get a critique group going around you, um, and get some more feedback. Great advice, Lee. Absolutely great advice. Uh, Lex says, narrator character starts by complaining about how the weak, inverted commas, weak, <clears throat> are coddled uh, like a libertarian manifesto, then decries music as a, as a whole as a bad thing. He says, we cannot be friends. Because <laughs> 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 uh, you're 20, you're 20, right, Francois? You're 20, aspiring 20-year-old. And uh, Vagabond says, I'm an aspiring 20-year-old too, because I'm 63. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, so you, you, the, the good news is that you're right at the beginning. You don't stop writing, right? Don't, don't go, oh, don't, don't retract into a fetal ball. You know, it's a long game. It's a long game. I always say this, writing is a long game. And it can take decades, actually, until you really feel on top of your, your craft, right? So all these comments you've got today, um, you know, from Lee and the Genius Stream are good and positive. You need to take them in, but they, you mustn't allow them to turn you off, actually, because... Uh, mm. It's a, it's, it's, surprise. it's a simple thing. It's just communication, but it's complicated too. Uh, and there's all kinds of interesting, uh, you know, new life-changing, actually, skills you can learn doing writing. Let's see what Kaylee thinks. I would agree with everything that's been said. Um, I actually quite like the personification of light, light, darkness, Lilith. If I'm interpreting correctly, which I guess is... The pro you know, makes the problem evident that I don't quite understand what's happening. But if I, my interpretation is that they're people, um, and the premise that we heard in the blurb is that he kind of is rejected by them or he leaves them and he becomes friends with the Reaper. I actually love all of that. I think that sounds great. If I picked up a book and it was about the characterization of, of, darkness and light as people and Lilith and, and and a relationship going forward with these complex characters that plays with the moral between good and evil. Like, I get that, mm. but how it is presented here is completely lost, um, which yeah. I think has been kind of 
talked about it it's very dense it's you know those like uh you were saying they're lovely kind of poetic cues but this is a story it's such a different genre it's definitely such a different way of writing um and it is about being really self-disciplined in how you tell that story to the reader um there's title dark and light i get it having kind of seen these first 700 words but Again, it just feels like something I've heard before. There was a line called Brood and Sin, I think was in the opening that I liked a little bit more, that there might be something there. Mm. Um, Again, it's kind of what is it? This might feel new to you because it's come out of your head, but it might not feel new to everyone else. And that is the big challenge, right, is to find something new and different and interesting. But it's, yeah, this one, keep going with it, I would say, but just maybe kind of take it back and start again. Very good advice. Thank you very much, Kylie. And so sharp. And Jeannie I. And you, I mean, you've got lots of comments coming here. It's very supportive. That's so nice. Our geniuses are nice. Um, very supportive things. You know, you've got plenty of time says, to learn the skills and hone your craft. Keep going. Keep going. Lots of other people are saying that too. Well, you got uh, Hannah Gerson. Also, read lots uh, within and outside your genre. You will absorb storytelling skills. Yeah, that is true. And Mel is still coming to terms with realizing that she's French. Okay, okay. And uh, PJ is Argentinian. That has resolved itself now. I was worried that somebody might be held to <laughs> ransom the closet somewhere, but apparently it's a reference to football, which apparently is going on now. But I don't think many people are watching. They're mostly watching pop-up submissions. <laughs> okay, I need to give you a number there, actually. Sorry, I didn't do that. Francois, you got a 41, 41. We, we mark that. We record that. And we move on to submission number five. And here we are. Last of the day. Last of the year. I can't believe it. Last of the year. And then we're away for two weeks, but we are back on the eighth. We're back on the eighth. I hope you're not getting my cough. Are you? I hope not. Uh, Between the Amazon and Orinoco. That's the title. That's Ken's title. The saga embodies features typical of low fantasy contemporary fantasy and adventure fantasy. Something for everyone there, Ken. This is Ken's blurb. Indigenous community defies modern drug lords, miners, human traffickers. I wish they could. And worse, in the protection of the tropical rainforest. What's not to like about that? Let me tell everybody about you, Ken. Kenneth Ken. uh, Harry Pierce, born 24th of August, 1949. Good. Please do that. In Montevideo, Uruguay. Married one son. No, you didn't marry one son. Married, comma, one son. Okay, we're getting it all here, aren't we? Uh, Currently retired and living in Bahia, Brazil. PhD, Corporate Management, MSc in Environmental and Resource Economics. BTEC in Production Technology and Production Management. Okay, so you don't need to give all these things because this is more like a CV. You're not applying for a job here. What what you're doing is just people buy people first. So the the whole idea is you're kind of selling, you know, yourself. um, You're selling us. You're selling yourself to us. That's what I'm trying to say. You're selling yourself to us. So when a little bit of your background, especially if you've done anything interesting, you know, living in South America is quite interesting, when a little bit of that, um, and one or two things just to position you, you know, as, oh, it's that, that guy, all right? So the professional qualifications are interesting, but not directly relevant, really. Um, founding member of the Federal University of Roramia, 
Brazil. Over 25 years working in the Amazon, or this is more interesting now, um, in the Amazon Orinoco regions with solid socio-environmental content. I'd like to know what that meant, actually, a little bit more detail. You know, just pick out those one or two cocktail party things that, you know, you, you tell someone, you know, you meet someone on the bus, what do you do? Where's the right? Oh, what have you done? And it's that sort of conversational stuff that's, that's interesting. Presently enjoys astronomy, beach walking, cycling, and a glass of wine with friends. I'd say you've got it all sorted, haven't you? Really? Lifestyle-wise? And we've got this reading sorted, too, because it's from Jeff. Between the Amazon and Orinoco, by Ken, read by Jeff. Chapter 1. 1981, deep in the rainforest between the Amazon and Orinoco. Amiari ran down the sloping stone path as fast as her feet could carry her. A month-old baby Sam firmly saddled on her hip, as was the custom. She was terrified. The wind behind her now rose to a deafening roar. Huge drops of rain pelted down, raising a blinding spray as they smashed against the vegetation. Amiara didn't look up, but she sensed the sky had become a menacing purplish-grey, almost black. A lightning bolt flashed from behind with a splinting crack of thunder a fraction of a second later. Instinctively, she glanced back, causing her to stumble on a twisted route across the path. At that moment, she realised her time on Earth was up. The dark green mass of vegetation thrashed violently around her, exuding the vapour smell and nature's raw power. It was overwhelming. As Emory fell forward, time slowed. With the foot caught on the root, Zam slipped from her hip and silently glided past her face. She saw deep into his jack-black eyes, yet they lacked fear. In fact, he was smiling. Amiari clutched out wildly, but the air slippery, thick with humidity. The fall was hard as a hair slammed on solid rock. A life mission was over. The heritor was chosen. Chapter 2 Some 20 kilometres to the north-east Ruin often climbed 2,300 metres to the top of the rough, hard rock outcrop on the southwestern flank of the Duda Massif, part of the Guiana Shield Complex in South America, which he fondly referred to as his exclusive Tuak a watch post. After all, in over six decades, he had never detected a trace of another human being visitor in this spot. Although aware, the massive was reverenced by the regional Yenemani and Yekona native people for millennia, and that many European missionaries and explorers had roamed the region since the 18th century. Of late, he knew Galampiera gold and diamond miners had scoured most nooks and crannies, yet still believed this particular spot was an unprotected place ideal for his territorial surveillance. The Duda Marahuna Massif is the second highest mountain of the entire Guiana Shield, which in itself is an old and geological very stable northern portion of the South American Teutonic Plate. Differently to the western edge of this plate, which is violently colliding into oceanic Nazca plates and giving rise to the young Andes, the Guinness Shield is now the remnants of highly eroded ancient Precambrian hard rock, forming striking table-like mountains called Tepuis, or House of the Gods, in the tongue of the Tupanga indigenous people. See map on page 43. These Tepuis are surrounded by weather alluvial lowlands, predominantly covered in dense tropical rainforests with occasional patches of savannah grasslands. 
Aside from this scenic grandiosity, this region represents the quintessence of diversity with some of the richest ecosystems on Earth. A place to be cared for. That day, the view from Rowan's Tuak was magnificent. The green forest stretched splendidly west and south into the distant haze where some dark, colourless thunderstorm clouds brooded quietly. A solitary ancient kumula tree with gnarled roots grappled all available rock crevices, providing some shelter from the midday sun. Rowan once again noted its leaves were becoming fewer and no longer quite so green, reminding me of the awing stories of those who had purposely planted the trees centuries ago at such a high altitude. Nonetheless, Rowan considered it one of his favourite spots. Yet, of late, the climb was getting harder, his breath shorter, and the view wasn't as clear to his eyes as only a few years earlier. The sun was now dazzling. Shading his pale green eyes with a large leathery hand, he wondered once again how long he and the Columba tree would be able to continue fulfilling their custody. The custodian's core territory was extensive. Roughly centred on the Duerda Massive, the interestingly defined protectorate embraced parts of the western slope Aranoko Headwater Rivers and parts of the southwestern Nego Amazon Rivers of the Shield. It included the Kasakwe Channel, which, in an exceedingly rare but stable anomaly, links the two basins. Thank you, Jeff fans in the genius room barbara says jeff's voice is so cinematic in a world where jeff is yes in, in <laughs> king or something like that he is great and jeff himself says our narrator so oh, sorry press the wrong button jeff our, our narrator uh, always like to hear from the writers because they say it slightly differently he says dramatic opening chapter tight writing likes it left me looking forward to the next chapter second chapter disappointing uh, we move into a kind of geological history lesson, which loses the tempo of the first chapter. And uh, RG says, no, 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 don't tell us. She's terrified. If you have to do that, you're not doing your job. Um, LA says the same thing. Show us she's terrified. And Claire says, chapter one, exciting. Chapter two, not so much. And Johnny's saying, when, when we got to chapter two, it reads a little like a travelogue. Now, I have to... Um, Hannah, chapter one was a prologue then. I'm disappointed that chapter two starts the story again, but not as well. And Pamela Joe did not get a fantasy. Um, entitled blurb or charts, mistake in sorting out, or is there something I missed? Uh, Johnny says, I think chapter two needs to rethink. Vagabond, I'd have put this down. Sorry. Um, started well with chapter one, says LA, but now I'm bored. That's about the worst thing you can say to a writer. I'm bored. But, you know, we've got to be honest. We've got to tell it like it is. RG says, to be blunt, non subs have felt like fantasy stories to me. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. I want story, says Hannah. Please. What did you think, Lee? Yeah. Yeah. Um, first of all, I think Jeff read it it's so well. He does have a cinematic voice. It's just it's fantastic. In fact, all of our readers have been fantastic. They really bring these texts to life. It, it makes such a huge difference. Um, oh, Ken. Oh. <laughs> uh, um, the, your blurb is a log line. So obviously you've been influenced by, um, you know, like uh, screenwriting or something, but there's no character here. So, uh, you know, um, 
you've given us an idea of the plots. These are the things that you're going to be up against. Someone is going to be up against, but we don't know. Um, we don't know who the someone is, uh, just some local community. We don't care. I mean, if we cared, we would be doing more <laughs> than Amazon, wouldn't we? So it's just not enough to make us care. That's just a statement, a logline. We, we need we need to know what the story is about. Um, I actually liked the first chapter. I think the, the, the writing needs a little bit of work and a bit of editing, but actually the, the first chapter was prologue, if you like, was full of tension. A couple of things that threw, threw me out, something like the baby was on her hip and then it's, you know, as as per the custom and, you know, we don't care about the custom when you are running for your life. You just pick mm. up your baby and you go, I don't care about, well, I better make sure that I get my baby on my hip as is the custom. You just grab your baby and you run. And so... Um, there's just a little bit of work to be done getting in the character's head. And, you know, this is a mother who is terrified for her baby, you know, and she dies and that baby is, is floating off down the river. So, you know, there's a little bit of work to get that a little bit more tension in there. But I actually liked that. That was the bit. I and then I thought, okay, now we're in the second chapter. This is the baby. This is the, the, the child that is inherited. It better be. This better be the child that's inherited the earth or else we, why is is the second chapter here mm. and again it's the same as everyone else has said you know this is an info dump this is straight out of mm. you know some kind of travel log and you know i see the map on page 23 of the travel log you know <laughs> um it's just not quite you with with mm. with information like this which is important it's probably we need this in the story but it needs to be seamless it needs to be dropped in in teeny little tidbits throughout the yeah. text so that we just absorb it in the way that we learn when we're reading, not this yeah. info dump of chunk of text. So I would start yeah. that second that second chapter with that day the view from Rowan's took was magnificent. Just start there. Yeah. Um and just chop out the whole rest of that geological chunk um that none of us that is boring, yeah. as someone said. So, but yeah. I, I mean, I think it has potential. I just, it's just not quite there yet. Um, some, some yeah. good trimming needs to be done. But Katie will go. have some even better suggestions. So let's, uh, let's hear what she has. To say. <laughs> All right, yes, let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I need to uh, just uh, bring it up to speed of the uh, genius room before we do that. Uh, John Battelle says something really interesting. It kind of amplifying Lee's point there. Uh, the mix of non-fiction and fiction reminds me of some well-researched thrillers. Maybe okay for people who like fact-based fantasy. And that's true, actually. It's exactly what Lee was just talking about, about a very judicious sort of scattering of interesting fact that, that you know, that you... I mean, I'll tell you someone who sticks in my mind for, for this um, talent is Tom Clancy, actually. In fact, he might, he might have actually started this particular genre, I don't know. But he had, he had a sort of genius... Awareness for just uh, just enough fact based fact based information that paints the picture. There's interesting for you to know about that kind of you know speaks to the authenticity of what he's writing. But it's not a technical manual, and you've got to be so careful about about that. But um, it's you know it's what I call sort of the clunk click style of writing because it's it's it is kind of fact based but not excessively so. Let's, as Lee says, hear from Kaylee. I, yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, I quite like this this kind of concept or premise or taking nonfiction and something that we know about or know of and then adding this layer of fantasy over the top, which to me, mm. I I don't 
think I've kind of heard this kind of story before. So from the blurb, I really enjoyed taking that away, that it was all of these issues within the Amazon, but actually we're bringing some kind of contemporary fantasy to it. So I think Mm. there's rich territory to explore there. Um, As everyone has said, this kind of contradiction between the first and the second chapters or the prologue and the first second chapter um i think there's no problem with kind of having a tussle between fast and slow in your tempo and your pace of story but you can't grind to a halt that's the difference whatever comes next after this big inciting incident there has to still be a sense of moving the story on and it felt like this the story just froze a bit of a guy person in in this place and that's all we could really take away from it so exactly that really trim it down um you know just just get to the to the advancement of the plot quicker in that Mm. second chapter um there was a there was a word which i thought was really interesting in the opening chapter about instinctively uh this woman who's running with her baby and and instinctively she's acting and an instinct is so interesting generally in terms of how you can be inside the character's head i think because that that kind of question of what would you do what are human instincts like how would you act if you were like pushed to your very limit what would you do and that's what's really interesting so maybe try and keep this in mind as you kind of go forward because i think that's what what will bring in some of that emotion and color and and kind of grip to this um but yeah i think i think there's definitely something there it just needs um story first description second can't disagree with that you're absolutely spot on as always Um, sorry go on lee Oh, I think she's really spot on. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. Yeah. <laughs> she really, yeah. I, I love what she's had to, Kaylee's had to say. She's yeah. really top. Well, point. someone in the in the genius room said Kaylee was is on fur today. Well, I think they went fire. Unless you are on fur, are you on fur? It's good. It's good. We take it. We're, we're pleased to take it. Let's look at the numbers there. You got a fifty-three, Cam. You got a fifty-three. So should we have a look at the scorecard? Okay, so we're kind of tightly bunched today. Kind of tightly bunched. Um, yeah, Jason's got 50. Jack got 48. Peter. Great. I think we all like that title. Uh, it's got 55. And Francois is 41. And then Ken just now a 53. But that actually does mean, of course, we do have a show winner. And here it is. <laughs> Like your title. Hopefully you found this a useful experience. It's somewhat entertaining as well, actually. That's what we aim to do. That's what we aim to do. Um, it does mean, however, that the monthly winner, and that's kind of the important um, the important one, because that goes to Head of Zeus for publishing consideration, uh, that's unchanged. And our monthly winner is as follows. Congratulations, Jazz. You got a 75. That's right up there. A 75, anything approaching 80 is a really good mark, actually. Um, thank you, wonderful guests today. You have both been on fur. In fact, <laughs> you're, you're, you're way beyond ignition, actually. So just so nice to, to see both of you again today. And it's nice kind of, you know, so you are... I don't know if you're quite our oldest guest, but you're certainly, you know, amongst the... Amongst the I don't mean, I don't mean it offensively. 
<laughs> certainly amongst our best loved. Um, let me just say, because this is the last last shot of the Yurikai, let me just say. Allow me, please, to, to pay fulsome tribute to everyone behind the scenes who keeps the wheels on here and turning, because, as you know, it couldn't be done without an amazing team of people. And that includes Kate <coughs> and Rachel, our guest producers, and Emily, our submissions manager and house mother, actually, and all kinds of other things, too. Um, she works with our impossibly talented team of narrators, who you've seen tonight and other other Sundays. All the denizens of the genius room are actually just being their fabulous selves and bringing their fabulous selves along tonight, dragging themselves away from the Argentinians and the, uh, the French or whatever it was. Um, we're back on um, Sunday, the 8th of January, 2023. I have to get used to saying that. With a show that's even bigger and better. But it won't mean a thing if you don't join us. So... Season's greetings wherever you are. May you have a happy and peaceful seasonal break. And let's hope that next year, writers and not psychopaths start running things. Take care, everybody. Hit it! Ready, ready, ready.